Welcome to the first deal show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. Welcome back, 402. This is your host, Caroline with a K here with a special guest. Don Spafford is managing partner with Happy Camper Capital, husband and father of four wonderful children. So how are you doing today, Don? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, Caroline. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So to ease you in, I always ask my guests the same four questions on this show. And it's just a way for the audience, the 402, my fan base, to kind of get to know you better before we start talking about your first deal and getting into real estate because you are a person outside of your real estate investments. So the first so. question, you hope so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got a whole family. You got a very decorated yeah. resume. You know, you, when you have four children, that they outnumber you. So right there, I know that you're managing and wearing a lot of hats. With that being said, what was the first album that you purchased? Yep, I vividly vividly remember this. It was a Michael Jackson Thriller. Oh uh, no way! Tape and the, the old Walkman thing. I carried it in like a kindergarten, first grade, listening to it and reassessing stuff. So yeah, it was, it was that was my my first and probably favorite album at that time. Wow, you had a Walkman in kinder or first grade? Yeah, that was a thing back then. Like yeah, well, cassette Walkman, <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Oh, that's so cool. So like, did all your friends have one too? Or is it just like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, <laughs> probably not too many at, at that age, I guess. But yeah, it, it was fun. I like wow. that album. Still do probably. You know. Yeah, no, Thriller's a great album. It's actually my mom's favorite. She's always singing it. And I'm like, Oh, just stop, mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. Nice. So what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate? <laughs> Two things, I guess. Mainly, I'd say that just the, the, the finances, or at least at, at that point, not understanding how to invest in real estate when you didn't have a lot of finances to begin. You know, I didn't have a, a huge savings account or, or you know, a huge uh, income or whatever to, to start buying properties. So that was definitely a, a big challenge initially, at least for, for the mindset thought of it, not, not knowing there are ways around that. Um, so that was probably above all, I'd, I'd say it was definitely the, the finances. So you know, knowing like what pushed you then, right? I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper here because I think that this is a very relatable topic and issue is that a lot of people, they might not necessarily have the finances. And I always tell them that knowledge and time are two assets that you may not think are assets, but they are, and Mm -hmm. they can definitely help you with partnering with people. But how did you decide like, okay, I want to get into real estate. And even though I don't have the finances, I want to pursue this. Like, what was that? You know, what what was your thought process there, and how did you get to that point to actually make the decision and do something about it? Right. So, I probably first had an interest in it back in say two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when we had the you know the economic downturn with 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 home prices. But again, at that time, I did not know anything about how to do it, or didn't have the finances to do it. It wasn't until a little bit later, um, around two thousand ten, my wife became a realtor. And started working with investors. And that's kind of really what 
got my mind thinking, okay, there's got to be a way to do this. You know, even though her, her investors were, were people that had, you know, money available to invest. Um, but at least got me thinking about there's got to be a way we can still do this and, and get going. So that was where it started, I guess. But um, it was definitely more of, you know, understanding and, and seeing all the the jobs that were laid off and people that were in, in hard times at that point during that recession that I was like, I don't want to be in that kind of position. You know, I, I had a, a job uh, working in the financial industry that, at the time. Um, so I was lucky to not be laid off, but, but you know, I, I saw many people, you know, business going out of out of business for uh, that are in that that area. So um, I wanted to see if there's a, a something else out there, another way to create income. You know, I understood and knew about passive income, but I kind of thought of more of you know from from stock dividends and things. So learning about uh, having rental income is something that's kind of more solid and, and I guess secure and um, same time can build wealth. I, I saw that as a, a, a huge opportunity to get to where I was hoping to get at one one point in time. And so uh, I, I was tried to pursue that as much as I could and, and read about it and learn about it. Um, that's kind of really what, what started it off. Okay. So your wife's kind of new her job, right? Becoming an agent is kind of, that was the foundation of you seeing this happen and how it works. And then right. slowly you educated yourself, build up your funds and then took a leap of faith. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure to say build up our funds, but <laughs> But yeah, we can probably get into that later how how we did this. But but yeah, I didn't still didn't have a, a huge uh, funds built up. You know, didn't have a huge uh, income for my job or anything. So um, yeah, there, I used some creative financing later on. Oh yeah, and that's great because you became very resourceful, right? And like you recognize that there you want to do something, and there are ways to figure out how you can do it. So good for you. That's awesome. All right, and now. What is something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you? The th I think the thing that I started doing during the pandemic was really more networking. Um, you know, we had some local meetups for, for real estate investors in my area prior to the pandemic. Um, those pretty much, you know, shut down and, and went away. And uh, kind of just, you know, naturally, as I was progressing along with my own real estate journey, I, I had always reached out to people that were guests, like on podcasts, like this one, um, things that I'd listened to, and I'd, I'd afterwards try to connect with people that were on there as guests and get to know them and see if I could offer any, you know, any, any type of help towards them in some way that I could therefore, you know, get a foot in the door to, to, to something down the road. And um, so I can continue doing that as normal, um, but during that, that I guess networking um, push. I started getting invited to these uh, these online networking groups that all started during the pandemic. And uh, so that was really what I think really um, pushed me along to, to further my my, my, uh, my journey and when, where I'm at now. Uh, definitely would not have happened if it weren't for those those meetup events and networking during the pandemic. Something that I did not do before that, uh, at least not to not that, that extent, and probably would not have other, otherwise done uh, had these meetings not all gone online during that pandemic. Is that something that you'd suggest for other people looking to get into real estate to attend meetups? Yes, definitely. I, I think it's hugely valuable, um, both in just the, the connections you make with the people uh, that could potentially be partners at some point, but also just from, from what you learn from those that are there with experience and uh, are, are you know open to sharing what they've done and what they're working on and um, giving, giving you ideas and suggestions on things that you can do. So yeah, they're, they're very valuable to go to. 
Yeah, awesome. And that's actually how we met. I met you, I think, probably at Yona Weiss's meetup, right? Like, I'd seen you a few Possibly times. that or Brian Briscoe or, you know, maybe a few others. You know, we were on quite a few around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's usually the same rotation of people, although I've, I've got to work on my meetup game recently. It's been a little tough to get to the meetings. Um, all right. So the final question. Oh my gosh. I didn't even tell you the name of the segment, but this segment is called the kiss me segment 402. <laughs> come on. You guys are not reminding me. I said that to my class today and I'm like, Oh wait, it's my job to control this conversation. Not them. <laughs> um, so yeah. So basically the idea, the premise, right. Is that like the show is your first deal. And then the kiss me segment is like, you always remember your first kiss, your first boyfriend, girlfriend. So it's the same kind of idea and premise. So we that's why we ask questions about first time that you've done things. Um, and so the final question is, what is your favorite quote? For a long time, I think my favorite quote was was one of Warren Buffett's. Um, you know, it says, you know, be, be, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. Um, that, you know, has come to light many times during the, especially, you know, economic downturns and things where people start to, I think, overpay for, for things, in particular real estate right now. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I think it's not not in good conscience to just overpay for something just to get it because you think it's going to continue to do well. So um, I followed that for many years. Yeah, another quote that I like a lot um, is uh, from uh, Coco Chanel that uh, says, uh, you know, I don't care what you think about me because I don't think about you at all. You know, so <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's one of those mindset things like, you know, you, you get held back a lot of times when, when people, you're, you're afraid of what people are going to think about you if you do or say something or, or what you're going to post online. You get, going back for a year ago, I was not anywhere online. I was very much an introvert. And uh, so getting over those things was kind of hard for me. But uh, yeah, I, I like that quote just because it's like, yeah, you know, what, is, what do I care what some random stranger is going to say about me online or something? They don't know me at all and I'll never think about them. So, so why does that bother me? Yeah, I love it. Well, can you repeat the Warren Buffett quote again? Yeah, and I think I got it backwards. Be, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, the Coco Chanel one, I think is going to stick a lot easier for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely am of that line of thought of like, I, you know, I do a lot of things and then I deal with the effects and apologize after the fact. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, awesome. Uh, tell us and the, well, tell me and 402, where are you based out of? I am in Idaho Falls, Idaho, which most people I probably have not heard of. It's Eastern Idaho. Uh, we're about an hour and a half away from Yellowstone Park. So very, very nice area. Oh, nice. And are there falls where you live? Yes. <laughs> there, there's there's some, some, some small falls in the downtown area. They're kind of more like, I think, man-made maybe. Um, you know, have a, a hydroelectric generation thing there, but there's also some, lots, many other falls nearby. Um, you know, a, a nice city a couple hours away called Twin Falls has some, some bigger falls and some other um, like you know, small hiking trails you can go to and see some other nice falls. So yeah, very, very nice area for, for random waterfalls and other things. Oh, cool. Okay. So there you go. 402. If you want to go see some <laughs> waterfalls, you can go to Idaho Falls, although you never, made a, never may have heard of it before this, but now you have. And so you can add it to your travel bucket list. Alrighty. So with that being said, we've warmed you up. We got to know Don a little bit better, how he likes Thriller, how he's uh, been able to network and find ways to get more involved in real estate and about where he's at, where he's living. So now the big question is, Don, 
What was your first deal? Tell us all about it. We want to hear good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> all right. Well, it's probably not that you know sexy or extreme or anything, but um, hey, you know, but it's valuable information, right? Because yeah, exactly. You, you know, I, I, I've been surprised how many people actually like to hear you know, how it got how it started. But um, so so yeah, going back a bit, we didn't cover this, but actually, we lived when, when my wife started her, her real estate business. We lived in Omaha, Nebraska at the time. Uh, we moved here to Idaho in 2015, and it was once we got here is when we actually finally got started, you know, buying stuff. So uh, 2017 was when I actually bought the first this first property, um, and and part of that also goes back to uh, just um, discovering bigger pockets. I'm sure your listeners probably heard of bigger pockets by now. So oh uh, no, not there all and, of them. Okay, well if not, definitely check it out. Biggerpockets.com, great great platform to learn and get educated and. and uh, uh, you can join for free, like I did at first, but I, I quickly signed up for the, the pro membership because I saw the value in their calculators. You know, they have these uh, rental calculators you can use to, to determine if something is a, a good deal or not. Um, so I used that a lot uh, initially, and I started. Uh, you know, when, once we made the decision we're going to do this, um, just for fun, I started analyzing properties. You know, look at uh, probably I don't know twenty or so per week just to, to run the numbers and, and, and get an idea of you know to learn if something's a good deal or bad deal from, from pretty much first sight. So. Oh, just doing that a lot. 20, 20 deals a week, guys. You just dropped yeah, that yeah. in there. That's <laughs> Maybe a more. Lot. I don't know. It, it was a lot, though. I, I think I analyzed for at least 100 before we bought this first one. But um, uh, so along on, on Bigger Pockets in the forums, I discovered uh, through through just I don't know, somebody else posting or, or, or something. I don't know how, but uh, I found out that there's a local lender in my area that does 10% down payments on investor properties. You know, most, most lenders are going to say 20 to 25%. So 10% was much better. I was like, okay, I can I can more easily get to that number. Uh, again, I still did not have a lot of savings though. But uh, something else I had learned along the way during my, my education and whatnot is um, opportunities where you may have funds that you weren't aware of. So I did not have a big savings account, but I did have my 401k that I'd been holding on for, you know, I don't know how long I had my job. So um, that had, you know, not like a huge amount, but enough in there that I could actually borrow from it, you know, so not, not take a distribution, right. And pay fees and taxes, but you can actually borrow from yourself, take a loan um, at a reasonable interest rate, which gets paid back to yourself. So I was like, okay, this makes sense. Let me borrow this money from, from my 401k for this down payment. Most of it anyway. Um, and then I, I set it up to pay it back over five years. So, so the, the payments wouldn't be that hard on, on my income. Um, and then I just use the cash flows from the property, basically pay that back more or less, you know, so, um, so, so I bought this fourplex. We, we'd again, I'd been searching properties and running, analyzing deals for, you know, weeks at a time. Um, at this point, probably up to about three months before I came across this one. And, uh, I, uh, I actually found it on Craigslist. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, my wife of course had access to MLS. We'd check the MLS all the time, but I was still looking everywhere else for, see if I could find some, you know, for sale by owner deals or whatever on, on you know, Zillow or whatever. And I found this on Craigslist one day. Um, it's a fourplex. It's about a 45 minutes away from where I'm at. Um, we, we first went home, my wife wasn't too, too hip on the idea, I guess, but uh, we drove past it and uh, it's, a, it's a nice building, you know, newer, built in like the late nineties, uh, like two story, like a townhome style fourplex and had, had garages with two. And so, uh, you know, I ran the numbers and uh, to me, it looked great. At that point in time, it met the 1% rule, which if your listeners don't know that, that means that the, the rental income, the, the gross rents, match 1% of the purchase price. Um, so at this time, this fourplex, it was, it was again, I found it on Craigslist. Uh, I think he was asking like 275, I think maybe somewhere there. 
Um, and we talked to the, the, the owner. So we went, we went, of course, went and looked at it toward the property, talked to the owner. He had just actually had it listed on the MLS not long before that, like the winter before that, but you know, no, no buyers. And, uh, so that did make me a little bit concerned. I was like, okay, was well, there a reason why I know about it? <laughs> Something I don't know about here. But uh, but again, looking at it, it's like this is you know well taken care of. It's newer property. The the numbers work. And I was like, okay, that's 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 figure this out. And so we um, you know, we looked at what it was originally listed for, took out what he would have paid for commission fees, and and so uh, we, you know we put in our offer um, you know right around about what he was asking, a little bit less, I think. Um, and then also asked him to pay for a uh, home warranty, which you didn't, if you didn't know, you can get home warranties on fourplexes too. So, uh, so got that to cover the first year in case anything would go wrong. And so, um, so yeah, so I used this 10% down payment, borrowed 20,000 for my 401k and another about 6,000. We had just recently got back our tax returns and my wife had just closed on that, on that property that she got a commission from. So we kind of combined all that together uh, to come up with, with about 26,000 for the down payment. Um, and so we used that and, and, uh, and that was that's pretty much it. But you know, that's that's just the, the basics of it. So um, the hard part really was more of the just getting the, the mindset, getting over the, the, the fear. You know, this was our first deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, There's a lot of stuff you dropped in here that I want to cover before you get into mindset. Can we can yeah, we yeah, take yeah. a quick Definitely. back step? Okay. So you said that you found this property on MLS. You'd already analyzed no, probably on, on Craigslist. Oh, sorry. Um, Craigslist. Craigslist. <laughs> I meant Craigslist and I said MLS. Um, and it was a fourplex of yep. all the things. So is it common in your area or where that where you are that there are a lot of uh, duplexes, triplexes, like multi smaller multi units? Um, I don't know if I'd say like a, a lot, but I mean, that, that there there's a good enough amount. I mean, I, I was actually in myself, particularly I was looking for fourplexes. So this was, you know, perfect, you know. Um, I looked at some duplexes and triplexes and other things too, but but I was particularly trying to get to a fourplex just because I was trying to maximize the number of doors I could get with with you know a single property, single loan. Um, and so that yeah, this one came up. But uh, um, but yeah, there's I mean it's 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 a uh, you know relatively there's there's a few universities around us, so there's a lot of student housing and, and needs around there. So um, there are I'd say overall now, especially there's been a lot more built in the last you know, few years. But, um, but yeah, there's a good amount of I guess smaller multifamilies. Okay. And I don't know if you caught that for too, but he said that he was focused. He wanted to get a fourplex, right? So just that key phrase right there is like you were focused on what you wanted and what you were looking for. And then you ended up finding what you wanted. I mean, not right away, but three months later, right? So everything yeah. takes time. Okay. Then you also dropped that you found this local lender through bigger pockets. And can you kind of talk about that process and were you able to connect with them and did they actually provide that financing to you? Like how did that stuff pan out? Yeah, it, it was definitely, was a concern of like, are they even going to approve me for a loan? You know, I know, again, I knew that I didn't have, you know, much high income or, or, or uh, you know, savings or whatever, but uh, you know, I did actually have quite a bit of debts. <laughs> so I was actually kind of surprised that they approved the loan, but, um, but, you know, I, I, I found out that, uh, you know, something I did not understand at the time that when you, or buying a, a investment property, the, the lender usually will also consider the income from that property to count towards your income. You know, so it kind of helps helps you to get a higher loan than you probably would have on your own. If I, you know, if I were to buy a, a property that that value of just on my own, like a, a single family residence or whatever, probably would not have been approved. But <clears throat> but they would would count the income from it to help get that approval. Um, and of course, the income was was high enough to cover their you know the debt service cover ratio that they look for and whatnot. So um, so yeah, it, it was it was. Uh, you know, the 
first thing, of course, I, I found out about this lender. I, I, I think I, I remember if I called or sent an email, however I first contacted them, but um, you know, talked to them about it, said, hey, I heard you have uh, this portfolio loan of you know 10% down. Is that true? And they're like, yeah. And you know, they explained the whole process and how they do it. And I was like, okay, great. And, and then, uh, you know, and then of course, I asked them, I was like, again, I did not know for sure on all this stuff. The stuff I've learned about borrowing for 401k is like, Am I able to borrow from my 401k for the down payments? Is that technically still like leveraged money? And they're like, oh yeah, that's still technically your money. So yeah, you, you can do that. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, so, you know, I started <laughs> going through the whole process and, and doing all that, getting everything approved. And you know, luckily it, it, uh, you know, they, it all worked out. They, they approved it and um, they'll go from there. Okay, great. So you bought the property, you borrowing from yourself in your 401k. And then you also mentioned this thing about a home warranty on the house. So like, how did that come up? Why, how did you even think of that to do it on this, you know, fourplex? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. Well, again, being that my wife is, is a realtor, you know, she's the, does it a lot with her, her home buyers anyway, that are people are buying to live in their prime residence. You typically ask for a, a home warranty. And sometimes these back then most sellers actually offered them as part of their, their enticement, I guess, you know? Um, and so I was like, well, if he's willing to pay it, it's like, that'd be great to have that just in case something were to break down in the first year that, that we're covered. And so we just put it in our offer, ask him to, to, to pay for that home warranty for, for one year. And he did. I think, I think it was maybe like $1,000, I think, for, for the fourplex. And so um, he agreed to pay it. And, and so I was like, yeah, great. Just, you know, again, that would cover like the, the I guess, your, your main components, like if your water heater or, or um, some problem with electrical or, or plumbing would, would happen that the, the warranty would, would cover that for you during that first year. So again, didn't, I didn't have a lot of savings. I was like, I want to make sure I'm at least have some protection just in case something were to go bad. And then did you end up inheriting the tenants and did they stay? Did you have to, uh, are you guys self-managing? Let's start there. Sure. So um, during the closing process, one tenant moved out. Uh, so I inherited three. Um and as of right now, one of those three is still there today. Uh, and yeah, I still, I still, I, I self-manage it. Um, and, you know, keep in mind, it was 45 minutes away. So it's not like a, you know, quick, easy drive to get there, but the same point, it, it's not too far away. So, uh, Don, I, what is your time worth? <laughs> well, see, again, this was the first property. Um, I wanted to learn. So, so for me, it was more about, um, getting to know, how to manage a property and 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 all the and also getting to the property itself to you know from 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 whatnot just in case you know one, down the road when I want to have a property manager take it over I, I at least know if they're managing it right and if uh, they say there's some kind of problem which I know there's not you know so I wanted to get to know the property and get to know the tenants and and, and just understand the whole managing process so so yeah at first I definitely put in a lot of time up front you know I take the kid to go down and we go you know clean clean out the units when there's vacancies and do some painting and all that kind of stuff you know but um, but you know, I learned that you know, it, along the way, I I, uh, I learned how to properly, um, I guess, screen for tenants to get good tenants in there. You know, so so when I would replace new ones, um, I would do my best to try to make sure I get good quality tenants that are going to you know, you know be great to not cause any problems, and uh, that's really helped a lot to uh, not have issues with my tenants. So with this particular property, I've never once had to have an eviction. I've never had anybody not pay, um, and uh, they've always generally taken care of the property. So. Not any, not any, any issues with that. And now, you know, again, we were talking about, you know, five years later, this was, you know, five years ago, basically this month, actually, when we closed on it. And so, um, I still self-manage it today, even though it's 45 minutes away, but I, I do spend a lot less time than now. So now I do uh, outsource and pay somebody else to come clean it and do the 
you know, the painting and prep and all that stuff. Um, and and I, I still do the screening and I still do the, the, the showings and, and get people in there, but I, I do a lot of that upfront now. So I only showing it to people that are totally, you know, they've already been qualified and I've, they've done their credit checks and background checks and everything else. And they're at the point where they're ready to basically you know, move in. So then I'll schedule the time to go show it. And then if, if uh, it's all good, then we'll sign the papers right there and get moved in. So it literally takes almost no time at all, other than again, once, once there's a, a vacancy, which doesn't happen very often. Part of why I still self-manage it. Okay. So this fourplex is, is right next door to two other fourplexes. They, they share the same you know parking lot area. Um, and the the manager that does manage those other two buildings, um, you know, he, he of course has, has offered to, to take over the management and I've talked to him about it. But what uh, what he's renting those units for on those other two buildings is a lot less than what I'm renting mine for. And so I've asked him like, well, why? As like, if you took over management, would you rent them for, for this amount? Like right now they're renting about 900 or so per month. Yeah, this time when I, when I talked to him, they were, I think, around 800, but, but he was renting the other ones for around 657, you know? So I was like, I was like, well, if you were to manage it, would you still rent them for, for this amount, you know, eight, eight, eight fifty or something? He's like, no, <laughs> that, that we'll, 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 we earn for this price. And the reason they say is because they want to get them filled quickly. I was like, well, I still get them filled quickly at, at my price. <laughs> Why would I want to pay you to rent them for less? It just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm like, yeah, no, I'll, it's okay. I'll, I'll keep managing for now. Wow, I can't believe that. Yeah. You would think that they would charge more based on what the market is demanding. Yeah, well, again, they're, they're, their mindset is to get them filled quickly. And I guess if you get it filled quickly, you, you charge less. But you know, I can still get them filled quickly charging more. So I don't, I'm not sure what the their issue is there. But you know, they have staff and people to take care of, I guess. So they want to make sure that uh, no matter what goes on, they can get them rented immediately, which, you know, for me, if I put them at, even at the rents I would rent them for, I still get dozens of, of applications. So I'm not sure what their issue is to get it filled quickly. So are, is it mostly student housing? Or are these just young professionals? Are they families? Like what are the dimensions or the size of these units? Yeah. So they're, they're again, they're like their townhome basically style. So they're two bed, one and a half bath, um, you know, up there and downstairs uh, with the garage. So, um, the five years I've had it, I've only had one student rent during the whole time. Um, you know, he was on a, a scholarship that paid for his housing, so you know it, it was it was taken care of. But um, but everybody else has mostly been you know young young families. Um, you know, just uh, need a, a cheaper, say, affordable place to live, but in a, in a good location where they can quickly get interstate access and get to work or or, or whatever. So, um, so yeah, but most most of my tenants are basically that you know young young families or or you know single people. Oh, okay. And so I know that you're, you know, you are now in the multi, not multifamily, but like commercial real estate space. And so, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing there and, you know, what Happy Camper Capital is all about to the 402? Yeah. I mean, I guess, did you want to cover the, 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 the fear aspect of this first property first or is that? Oh, familiar? yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into that. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yeah, so so again, I mean, this was our first property. It did not have a lot of savings to you know to cover. So you know, most most anything else you hear anywhere about buying your first property, I would say, have a strong financial runway, have a lot of savings built up, have a have a emergency fund, all that stuff, just in case things go wrong. Well, I didn't have any of that. Um, so, <laughs> but I knew I needed to get started. If I wanted to wait until I had all that, I, I would never be able to do it. You know, so I was like, I got to get in and get started, and 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 just uh, you know. It all works out. So, um, the the night before closing, you know, I was so nervous 
that you know, I, I literally told my wife, I, I was like, maybe we should just back out, you know, like lose our deposit, lose our money, but you know, not take this risk because it was, it was, it was, you know, if this were to go wrong and and just totally fail for whatever reason, you know, it would have just been financially crushing. You, know, it would probably put us forced into bankruptcy or, or something. And so I was like, that's a huge risk to take, you know, and. Uh, but but at the same point, you know, what what helped me over that was going back to to those numbers, you know, running those those calculators and, and seeing what the current income was and what I knew it could get to. Even in that point when I bought it, I I, I in my mind they were under market rent, um, so I could do some things to help improve that and get it up to where it should be, and therefore those numbers would improve tremendously. Um, so 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 that was really my 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 one of my two things. I guess the one was this trusting the numbers, trusting that these calculations were right. And two, just knowing that I had to get started. So, so good or bad, <laughs> you know, I had to start somewhere. I've got to get things going. If, if I, you know, I, I knew at some point down the road, I wanted to have uh, access to private lenders and uh, other partners that would never take me seriously if I did not have at least some properties of my own to, do, to see myself as an investor, as a landlord, not just a wannabe, you know? So, um, so I kind of forced myself to, to get over that. But again, you know, the, the main thing was for me, just knowing that those numbers were, were good and, and correct. And uh, you know, again, going back to thinking bigger pockets for those calculators helped a lot to get to that point to, to trust in, in those numbers. Yeah, and that's a great point. I think a lot of people get stuck in the analysis paralysis, but the the fact that you said that the night before you're like, oh no, should I do this? And then you went back, checked your numbers, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah this works. Um, let's just do it. Yeah. Because in the future, you want people to take you seriously. Although I, I don't know that you necessarily have to have you know X amount of uh, properties for people to take you seriously, but it definitely does show that you have some experience, which does help. Right. I'm just curious because your wife is the realtor. Like, did she have no interest in getting into investing or, you know, she's working with the investors. So how did that come about right. where you kind of took the role in that? No, she, she, she definitely, you know, had always wanted to be involved in investing as well. So, um, it's just more of, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, she she's kind of obviously more focused on on being a mom as number one for sure. Yeah. Um, and then you know with with her her career and, and things and and uh, for me it was just something that I'd always had an interest in as far as investing in finance anyway. It's something my, my my educational background and everything I I had done was all about investing in, in finance anyway. So um, it was for me like it's a natural place to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so so I kind of took the reins of that, I guess, to to kind of oversee. What we'd do, you know, she of course still would help search for properties and find properties, and, and uh, you know, that's first today what she still does is, you know, she primarily works with out-of-state investors buying in this area. Um, so, so you know, she she's focused on, on on that, and of course, I I help with what I can as well in there to, um, you know, help with those analysis and and, and you know, even sometimes talking to those investors in a different way that you know things that she can't say as a realtor to them. So, um, yeah. So so yeah. So she's so just been. She's more focused on, on that side of it. You know, she, she, she wants to have those in our portfolio, but she doesn't necessarily want to be the one involved, like actively managing them or you know, that kind of stuff. Got it. Okay. And so I know that you're transitioning, right? Like you own your, your fourplex, but you also are in the commercial real estate space. So the 402 is open to any and all type of investment strategy. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do. And I, I think you guys are doing some interesting and unique things that I haven't heard from other people so yeah yeah thanks <clears throat> so yeah that guess again that that first property was definitely the, the starting point that just kind of started that that ball rolling right yeah. um it, it was literally getting getting past that that fear break point was really what 
opened the floodgates, I'd say, because like the very next day I was ready to just go buy more. I was like, yeah, now, now, we're, now <laughs> we're all in. Let, let's go buy some more. So uh, we started, you know, looking at and buying more. And so, um, but over time, yeah. So a few years after that, uh, you know, as we along the way, carded a couple more fourplexes, but um, it got to a point where I was like, okay, even buying fourplexes is not going to ever get me to where I really want to be. I mean, it still take a long time to get there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and still not having again uh, not having a I still the same W two job so I didn't have this still a high income where I could save up a bunch of money I, I would of course try to recycle the cash flow from that first fourplex and I didn't go and say hey can we go buy a car now no I let that money kind of keep accumulating to build up to use that to deploy on more properties and uh, so anyway down the road I, I had this realization that okay this is still going to take a long time to get there with fourplexes and at this point. There was a lot more competition you know there's if I, we put an offer on something there'd, there'd be multiple other offers way above what our offer price was and so it almost became impossible to to, to buy um and so i started making this natural i guess transition into commercial um in some cases just from from some rare opportunities that just happened to come up you know with, with going back to that networking those connections i was making you know i get involved with people that would uh, be able to present opportunities that would not have otherwise been uh presented to me um and so um, I was able to get involved with some some development projects. First of all, um, building some some uh, commercial uh, triple net spaces, and also now also working with some build to rent multifamily. You know, so we're building large apartment complexes. Um, I'm a, I'm you know a partner in some groups that do that. Um, and then along the way, as I wanted to still move into more what what most people you know know or maybe understand, hopefully your listeners know about uh, syndications. Um, so buying a, a apartment complex, for example, multifamily. Uh, through a syndication model and uh you know either myself being a, a partner on something like that or or even just investing as a limited partner with you know being totally passive investing um i was searching for deals like that that would work um going back on that very first fourplex again i, I had actually a very high cash on cash and, and high you know return on, on investment on that property and also in the, the following fourplexes i bought so i had a very high expectation of, of returns i was looking for to kind of be something at least near those numbers um, and, and everything I'd seen the last, you know, year or, or two just was not doing it for me. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not me. I'm, I'm not satisfied with a, you know, seven, 8% return. It's like, mm, it's, it's just not anything attractive to me, you know, to, to make me want to risk putting money into a deal. Um, and so along the way, I, I, I continue to listen to podcasts as still part of my, my normal daily routine. And, uh, in a podcast about a year ago, I heard somebody talk about campgrounds. And uh, I was like, that sounds interesting. Something I never thought about before. And, and again, where I'm at now here, where I live like an hour and a half from Yellowstone Park, you know, that's a very high camping area with, you know, mountains and, and lakes and stuff around us. So um, something that seemed kind of make sense. I was like, that sounds interesting. And so I looked more into it, started going to more webinars and, and, and meetup events with people that are in that space. And uh, primarily I was trying to just learn more. I thought this sounded pretty cool if I could one day buy one and uh, have it to, to have some, some cash flow from that. Um, and then, or if people want to buy in this area, again, I was trying to just find a way to, to kind of leverage ourselves in there that my wife could represent them and help buy the property. And, uh, I could be like a boots on the ground and coming as a, maybe a very small percentage GP just for, for being a boots on the ground or something. Um, and in doing this, I, I, I met, um, a gentleman by the name of Adam Lendy. Uh, he was one of the founding partners of uh, happy camper capital. And, uh, they were just getting started. You know, they had just closed on their first property, uh, a campground in Iowa and, um, you know, we got on the phone and started talking about uh, what, what my goals were, what I was looking to do and the expectations I had for returns. And they were of course telling me what, what, uh, what kind of deals they were getting and the kind of returns they were seeing, which were like way better than anything else I'd seen in, in multifamily. So like, ah, that sounds interesting. You know, <laughs> that's a, 
was very attractive. Um, you know, I still didn't know enough about it to, to really know what to do here. And, um, uh, but, but the more I looked into it, the more I talked about it. And the more I actually, I, I talked to my neighbors about it, you know, I, I so, I, you know, I, going back, you know, I, I had, uh, previously talked to my neighbors about investing in multifamily properties potentially, you know, so, um, most of my neighbors are fairly high income earners, I, I think. And, um, but real estate is something that, that scares them, you know, going back to even my, myself, that first property, it's something they don't understand. They don't get it. Um, they see it as too risky. So I was not going to get any, any traction with, with investing in multifamily with them. But then I talked to them about investing in campgrounds and most of these neighbors have RVs or campers and they go camping all the time. So it's something they understand now. And they're like, okay, yeah, we, we go to those all the time. So that'd be cool to invest in something like that. And so, okay, there's definitely some potential here. So, so the more I thought about it and, and I was like, okay, I, I, I thought about if I said no, what would happen? If I say yes, what would happen? So I went to myself, you know, five years down from, from, from that point, you know, so kind of going back to where I, I started that first fourplex where, where we were financially, where we are now is totally different, you know, life totally changed because of investing in real estate. So I looked at, okay, what's, what's the next five years look at or look like if, if I do this or, or don't do it. You know? So I don't want to five years from now look back and regret not taking this chance to get started in something unique and different. And so I was like, yeah, let's, let's go for it. Let's, let's give it a try. You know, what's, what's the worst that happen? You know? So, um, so I got involved and joined up the, the team at Happy Camper Capital. And, and, uh, that was last November of 2021. So I've been with them now about, you know, six, seven months. And, uh, honestly, I, I've totally enjoyed it. You know, the, the, uh, the, it's been a bit of a journey, of course, just for myself, my own personal education in it, learn more about this space, but, uh, the more I've learned about it, the more I love it. And the more that I've talked about it, um, it's very unique in that, uh, you know, we're not, you know, we're not providing a place to live for people. We're providing a, a place to people have come have fun. You know, so these are, you know, RV campground resorts, you know, so, um, so people come in there to have a good time, you know, leave their, their problem, their life behind and just come out and, and, and enjoy life, you know? So, uh, I, I like to see it as we're, we're creating memories and experiences. So, um, that's for me the thing I like most about it. I mean, we're not we're not you know here raising rents on people or evicting people or kicking people out of their home. If that were the case, you know if whatever happens, you know this in most cases people are coming here have disposable income. You know they have these campers RVs that are not cheap to begin with. You know so um, it's something they can use or not. But but in most cases people are and and it's it's been it's been great. Yeah. Awesome. So how can the four hundred two connect with you if they want to learn more or find out? what you're all about, like, what's the best place to connect with you? Sure. I'd say two places. One, first of all, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you can find me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, just search for my name. There's not too many others, my name out there. And then uh, um, also, of course, go to our website, happycampercapital.com. Uh, you can go to the, the About Us tab on there. You'll find my profile, a bit, see a bit about me and my family and, and uh, ways you can connect, connect with me on there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Don, for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. It was my, my honor to be here. 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story, or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal, shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show. 402, thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I will see you next Friday.